Welcome everybody to the Keyboard Kimura podcast, the Keyboard Kimura Network. I am E. Spencer Cut, your friendly neighborhood Spencer man, back for the first of Friday's double dip for UFC Vegas 73, taking place tomorrow, Saturday, May the 20th of the UFC Apex, headlined by Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. We are here to do the punch drunk predictions. But before we get into anything, the housekeeping off the top, the Substack. Scan that QR code, take yourself to the Keyboard Kimura Substack newsletter, where you can sign up to subscribe for all of the information, all of the content that I put out straight into your inbox the minute I hit publish. Whether you subscribe for free, whether you pay the $5 monthly or the $50 annually, that $10 savings on the monthly charge, I appreciate it. I am here to put out quality content, informative content, entertaining content. And if you consume it in any way, shape, form, amount, I am grateful. The other side, the boys of one bone. Drop number 10 landed yesterday, the everywhere shorts, some new tie-dye colors, regardless of, of a new drop just coming, go and check these boys out. They are a Canadian company based in Montreal. They put out fantastic gear. I am wearing it. Every single time I am on this screen, I have one bone on. At least one piece of one bone, usually multiple, because I've got some pants and I got some shorts coming and I've got the hat. It is the most comfortable gear I own, as always. I'm not here repping them for anything other than trying to send you guys to the site to see and use and buy and purchase and enjoy the wonderful materials, the wonderful stuff that these guys are putting out all the time. Everything is great. It fits well. It washes where it wears well. Summer's coming. There's lots of new stuff. There's some tank tops that just came out. Trust me, go check them out. Onebonebrand.com. Onebonebrand on Instagram and Twitter. Shouts to Sam. Shouts to Adam. Shouts to the whole crew. Go follow them. Lastly, down at the bottom, this side. There we go. In camera. At Spencer Kite, that is my Twitter and my Instagram. Pumping out content, all the stuff that I put out, you will find on each of those spots, whether it is Twitter, where both the video and the podcast versions of all of these shows will be sent out once they publish, or on Instagram, really making an effort there to put out more content, more engagement. I know that I am a bit of an old and still on Twitter, and the kids are more on TikTok and Instagram. I'm not doing TikTok. I can't do it. It's not me not doing dances. I'm not going there, but Instagram, I can be more effective. And it has been over this last week. I thank you all for checking out the different reels with Laura Sanko and the clip yesterday from 10 things I like about Michael Johnson's strength of schedule. Go check those things out. We're going to put a bunch of stuff up there. And now we get into predictions, but before we get to Saturday, we go to last Saturday, UFC Charlotte. So six and five on the night, not where I want to be. Certainly not the, the overall result that I want to have, though, as my old co-host, Ian O'Neill and I would often talk about, still above, still above ground, still above 500. That's always a positive. Since returning here to Keyboard Kimura, I am 14 and nine in two weeks worth of fight cards. So a 0.609 win percentage. Being at 60% is good. My aim, as always, when I put these things together, when I put, and the reason I put out my results over the course of the year and at each stop is because I want to be at 70%. That's my goal each year. It's difficult to get to. We're at the last event of May. So we're going to have a seven month run 
to get to 70%. And it's going to be hard because for the year between here and severe with those two events that didn't put any picks out for, cause I was on vacation more or less 95, 74 and three for the year. It's a 0.552 win percentage. I don't like it. It's not good enough. Strictly speaking, like frankly, speaking, frankly, it's not good enough. I need to do better. I need to do better for me. I need to do better for you. I need to do better in my overall analysis. Now, listen, there are elements of this sport that are just unpredictable. Things happen. Fights break certain ways. I still maintain that this is the most difficult sport to handicap and forecast and bet on. But I still got to do better. I don't like either of those numbers. Got to start having some much better days, which brings us to this week. UFC Vegas 73. Headlined, as I said, strawweight matchup, Mackenzie Dern and Angela Hill. And we're going to dive right in. My pick for the main event is Angela Hill. As much as I am heartened by Mackenzie Dern's words this week about maturing as an athlete, maturing in her fighting style and in her approach, I need to see it. Because what I do know is possible here is Angela Hill coming out, throwing volume, working at a good pace, working at a steady clip, and just kind of picking away for 25 minutes. I don't expect it to be a big finish. I don't think Angela Hill is somebody that's going to go out here and submit Mackenzie Dern or drop her and, and score a walk-off win. Maybe we get something along the way in the later rounds if the damage piles up and, and it turns into that fight. But more likely to me is five five-minute rounds of Angela Hill maintaining range, maintaining space, and just sort of getting after Mackenzie Dern a little bit. Landing counters, landing teeps, landing low kicks, frustrating her, keeping her from getting into her grappling assortment of, of her grappling skills, keeping her from getting into takedowns. As I said, until I see Mackenzie Dern prove to me and show me that she has sorted out some ways to just get into her grappling, I got to go against her in, in these high-level matchups. And I do believe that this is a high-level matchup. Angela Hill may be 10 and 12 overall in the UFC. She is one of those people similar to Michael Johnson. I don't care about the record. The strength of schedule tells me how good Angela Hill is. And some of those decision losses could have went the other way. And then we're having a whole nother conversation. I think Angie can go out here, work behind her jab, work behind quick, sharp striking for 25 minutes and get arguably the biggest win of her career. Move to the co-main event, Edmund Shabazian and Anthony Hernandez. I'm siding with Fluffy. It is... Not necessarily a knock on Edmund Shabazian, but similar to the Mackenzie Dern thing. I need to see it. Those early wins, that three-fight winning streak of finishes, or the three-fight finishing streak after the split decision win over Darren Stewart in his debut, was terrific. He looked fantastic. But I can't get the three-fight losing streak, and even the middling moments against Dolce Lungiambula out of my head. There's still elements of Edmund Shabazian's game that I'm not super comfortable with. He doesn't move his head off the center line enough for me. He's a guy that I think can be taken down and finished. 
And until he proves otherwise in a matchup like this against somebody that is going to be able to come out, work at a pace, can wrestle a little bit, good in the clinch, very good on the ground. I got to go there. Additionally, and I probably should have led with this because it sounds like I'm picking Hernandez because I'm picking against Shabazian. Fluffy's looked great in his last three, right? Started off the winning streak with the finish over Rodolfo Vieira. Capped it last time with a great performance against Marc-Andre Barrio. And I think it's similar. I think we see a similar approach this weekend against Shabazian. Come out, get in his face, close the distance, close the range, work inside, make it ugly, beat him up, get after him, and put him in those spots where he's uncomfortable and he's got to start questioning himself again. And while I don't think Edmund Shabazian is a guy that looks for exits, I think he is somebody that can be finished, that can be put away. And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Fluffy get a third finish in four victories and a fourth straight win on Saturday. Mid-fight on the main card, Emily Ducote and Lupi Godinez. My pick here is Ducote. And part of it is simply that she's the one that was originally scheduled to compete. She's the one that's gone through a camp. And I know we are in a state where so many of these athletes, Lupi Godinez included, are constantly in camp and constantly in shape. That being said, this is at a catch weight of 120 pounds. Part of that is because Godinez is taking it on short notice. That also, for me, factors on the Dakota side of things because I think we've seen Lupi get a little tired slow down a little bit as we get into the back half, the final third of these fights she's been in and against somebody like Emily Ducote, who has had success both in Invicta and already in the UFC, right? Got a win in her debut against Jessica Panay, lost to Angela Hill last time out. No shame in that. Has a little something to prove here. Is the one coming off the full camp? Is the one coming off being prepared and ready to go for this fight card? I think we're going to see her be able to go out there, use a more varied striking approach than Goudinez, come out here and do a little more with a few more weapons. Loopy likes to stand and bang and just kind of throw singles. And she got into a really close fight with Cynthia Calvillo last time out. I would put Emily to Cody's boxing and kickboxing ahead of Cynthia Calvillo. And I'm banking on that here. I think she can go out, and even if this is just a kickboxing match, she can go out and win that kind of fight. If we get into some grappling, gets a little more interesting because Lupi is very strong, a very good wrestler, and a and a solid grappler from a submission standpoint, but so's Emily Ducote. And I think if she decides to wrestle, I think if she decides to look for submissions and creating scrambles, she might be able to have success there. But most likely this stays on the feet and I'm going to go with the person that has the more varied arsenal and was in camp this whole time, was prepping to get to this point this whole time, not just for the last couple of weeks. So give me to Cody. We'll see what happens. Welterweight's Andre Fialo and Joaquin Buckley in an absolute banger. Should be a firefight. I'm going with Joaquin Buckley. It comes down to a few different things for me. First and foremost, I, I really think this is going to be a good spot 
for Joaquin Buckley. I think as good as he was and, and the success he had, the highlight reel finishes that he had at middleweight, he was always undersized. He's five foot eight. He's smaller. He's shorter than me. I'm 5'10 on a good day in shoes probably, but he's still shorter than me. Now he's going to be fighting like-sized individuals. And so the reach, the speed, all of those things become even greater in my eyes at this weight class. Secondly, he hits like a ton of bricks, right? We've seen the Impa Kasangade finish ad nauseum, but he's a guy that can hit you with one shot and put you out. And while Andre Fialo is as well, we've also seen him take some big shots. And I just don't know if he's going to be able to go in there and go shot for shot with Numansa and survive. I have greater faith in Joaquin Buckley's ability to take the shots coming his way than I do Fialu. And so combine that with the fire and ferocity of getting to a new division and wanting to really make a statement and prove something. And certainly you can argue the other side, Fialu coming off back-to-back losses, wants to get back in the win column, doesn't want to fall to two and four in the UFC, where all of a sudden, all of that early momentum, all of that good grace from right out of the gate is gone. And we're looking at a three-fight losing streak. I just think Buckley is going to be able to come out here, get into the kind of fight that he likes to have. I think he's the more explosive, the more dynamic athlete, competitor overall. I think he gets in there, gets in Fialu's face, gets his hand raised, gets back into the win column and starts what should be a fun little run now that he's fighting at like at, sorry, welterweight. Opening bout in the main card, Diego Fajaya returns after an 18 month layoff to face Michael Johnson. And my pick here is Michael Johnson. First and foremost, it's because of the recent success. It's because of the recent form. He's looked good in his last three fights. Two wins could be three split decision loss to Jamie Malarkey in there in a really close competitive fight. He's looked very good. I liked what he did against Mark Jacasey last time out in a fight that stayed on the feet and he was able to win that striking battle. I also... I'm curious about Diego Fajaya off the layoff. I know it's from a knee injury, but prior to that, the results just weren't there. He comes in on a three-fight slide, and yes, it's against terrific competition. I will put that there. It's against terrific competition. Gregor Gillespie, Benil Dariush, Matoish Gamron, all ranked in the top 15, all exceptional fighters. Hard to Hard to knock him too much for that. But there were points in a couple of those fights where he kind of just looked like, especially the Gillespie fight, and I know that was a while ago, he just looked like once he didn't get to, once things went the opposite way, once he lost momentum, that was it. And I just think Michael Johnson's in a place right now where he's able to go out and dictate some of this stuff. Now, Michael Johnson has made some miscalculations at times. He can get a little loose. He can get a little sloppy at times. But I don't think Diego Fajaya is a guy that's going to take advantage of that on the feet. And if we get into a grappling, scrambling situation, it's dangerous for Michael Johnson, but he showed last time out against Mark Jacasey. And he's showed in the past that he's capable when dialed in, when focused, 
of defending well, dictating terms of engagement. I think he does it here. Picks up his third win in four fights, makes it a two-fight winning streak, continues adding good names to that ridiculous strength of schedule that I talked about yesterday, and gets himself another victory. We move to the prelims. Mahashate takes on Slava Claus, Vyacheslav Borshev. And my pick is Borchev simply because I think this stays on the feet and I think he is the more powerful, better overall striker. Mahashate has some upside. I'm curious to see what he develops into in three or four years, but he feels to me like someone who is just too raw, too inexperienced despite having a number of fights to really thrive and have extended success at this level. Borchev comes in on a two-fight losing streak, but that those were those were both fights where he got out-wrestled. First against Jacasey, second against Mike Davis, who decided to eschew his own boxing skills to turn it into a grappling match with Slava Borchev, which shows you sort of the whole. Now, maybe Mahashate comes out and says, look, I learned to be a wrestler. I could put you on the ground and I'm going to keep you there. Could very well be the case. More likely to me, is that Borchev has really worked on the takedown defense and the get-ups if he gets down there and ways to keep this standing. And I think we see kind of something similar to his fight with Chris Duncan that earned him his contract on the Contender Series, where they just went out and got after it. And each guy gets hit a little bit. I'll take Borchev's chin over Mahashate's. Give me Slava Claus to get a victory and give us a little dance when he gets, gets his hand raised. Move to the strawweight division. Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Vanessa Demopoulos. My pick is the Polish veteran, Kovalkiewicz. I think skill for skill, talent for talent. She's actually head and shoulders better than Vanessa Demopoulos. Now, certainly age could come into play here at some point. Karolina Kovalkiewicz, a few years older than her, 37 years old now, I believe. That could be a factor. But she's looked very good in her last two fights. And Demopolis, for the fact that she is on a three-fight winning streak, there's a little bit of it that still just feels like it's like it's a house of cards that's waiting to fall over. The first of those victories against Silvana Gomez Juarez, Juarez Gomez, was a good victory. It was an armbar finish, but she got popped in that one. She got dropped. The reason she was on her back to hunt for and find that armbar is because she got cracked by La Maldalva. Now I do think. She's done well to improve her overall striking acumen, but I don't think it's enough to get in there with a veteran like Kovalkiewicz who has been at the absolute top of this division before, or just a step below it, you know what I mean, and is a much more complete kickboxer, is a much more complete striker, understands all of the things that she will need to do to sort of break Vanessa Demopoulos or the judges of their their infatuation with and their trance with Vanessa Demopoulos, because that's truthfully to me what it feels like a little bit in these last couple of fights. Decision wins over Jin Hugh Fry and Maria Oliveira, where super close fights, nobody's landing a lot. Demopoulos lands a couple good shots here and there, and she wins these decisions. I don't think we see it on Saturday. I don't think we see it tomorrow. I think Kovalkiewicz comes out, is the superior kickboxer, Wins running away, head and shoulders, third straight victory. Looking forward to seeing it. 
Back to welterweight, Orion Kosi and Gilbert Urbina. This one is a coin flip for me. And I'm picking Orion Kosi simply because he's been the active fighter. We haven't seen Gilbert Urbina since his loss to Brian Battle in the middleweight finale of season 29 of The Ultimate Fighter, which was not quite two years ago, but getting close to two years ago. And so it's just a matter of shaking off the rust. We didn't see, I didn't see enough in that fight against Battle or even in the house to really have a ton of faith and stock in Urbina coming into this one. It's certainly a winnable fight. Orion Kosi hasn't looked great in his UFC win, in his UFC appearances. Got a win last time out against Blood Diamond. That's a hard one to put a lot of stock in because Blood Diamond doesn't have a lot of MMA experience and is very, very green. And it still went to a decision. But I got to go with the person that already has a UFC win that has been fighting for the last couple of years. I know he told my guy JHK that he's healthy now and we're going going to see the version of Orion Kosi that was on Contender Series. I'm here for it. I hope that's the case. Fingers crossed from a prediction standpoint that he is telling the truth and that's the delivery we get on Saturday. I'm picking Kosi. I don't feel good about it. It is an absolute coin flip fight. Move to the heavyweights, Alir Latifi and Rodrigo Nascimento. My pick is the Brazilian. And a lot of it comes down to just youth, just activity, just energy. As much as I like Alir Latifi and have enjoyed the Alir Latifi decade in the UFC, I just don't know what he does at this point to really have extended success. He hasn't been able to really truly wrestle and grapple the way that he was at light heavyweight since going up to heavyweight because of just the overall size of things. As much as he is a fire hydrant of a man as strong as a bull, it's still just difficult to deal with a big body like Nascimento, who's 6'4 and a full 265 and can grapple himself. And so I'm going to side with the guy that for me has looked a little bit better recently and wasn't talking about retirement last time out and unsure of what he was going to do and can come out and sort of match Latifi just about anywhere it goes. This is also one I don't feel great about because I don't really think Nascimento is much more than this back end of the rotation heavyweight that I've talked about all week. But I have to side with the younger fighter. I have to side with the guy who looked very good and very effective last time out against Tanner Boser. I may be, this feels like one where if it's going to go astray, if it's going to go awry, this is it. Alir Latifi is going to come out and like body slam him and then drop an elbow on him. And I'm going to be like, man, should have picked Alir Latifi. But this is why it's hard. Move to the flyweight division. Natalia Silva, Victoria Leonardo. I am all in on Silva. I've said it all week. I think she rules here. I think this is an absolute showcase opportunity for the Brazilian. She comes out. She batters Victoria Leonardo. I think it looks similar to Menon Fierro's debut against Victoria Leonardo, where it's just one-way traffic. It's just Natalia Silva doing what she wants to do, showcasing the array of skills, showcasing all of the strikes, and probably getting a finish, quite frankly. She is that good. As I've said all week, I think she deserves to be in that group of five 
climbing the ranks at Flyweight, setting the stage for the next wave, the next generation of talent at Flyweight, the next era of talent, I should say, because they're all of the same generation and generation is a different. Anyway, I think she rolls. I think it, she makes it look easy. I think Natalia Silva cruises here, gets her third straight win, and then hopefully gets a real step up in competition, gets herself in there with somebody of substance that we want to see her in there against, somebody with a number next to their name, if she doesn't get one herself. Opening bout of the night, Takeshi Sato, Themba Garimbo in the welterweight division. I am siding with Garimbo here. Again, it's an uneasy pick because neither of these men have really had any success. Very recently, Garimbo has had one fight in the UFC. He had some positive moments, but lost to AJ Fletcher by submission. Takeshi Sato just has been more of a punching bag warm body for a few people over the last couple of fights. And I do think Garimbo can come out here and have success against him overall as the more dynamic, more explosive fighter. But similar to Kosi and Urbina, this is a coin flip where I would not at all be surprised to see Takeshi Sato come out and have a good performance and get a victory. I think this is one of the rare occasions in recent weeks and months where the opener's a little bit not quite what we're looking for, but sometimes that happens. And so I'm I'm siding with Garimbo. We'll see if he can get it done. We'll see. It's one of the things I like about predictions and later it ties into the betting show, which is coming up in a little bit going to know right off the hop whether we're going to have a good day or a bad day whether we start with a victory or we start with a setback so before we get out of here we will recap the picks for ufc vegas 73 top down main event onwards angela hill anthony hernandez emily Dakoti, joaquin buckley michael johnson on to the prelims we go slava borshov carolina kovalkevich orion kosi in a coin flip rodrigo nasiamento in a close fight Natalia Silva showing out star of the show this weekend is my prediction and Themba Garimbo in the opener. Those are the picks. I will be back shortly with the betting show. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights. Thank you for watching. See you soon.